Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. I invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 5. We're in a series called Passion, Points of Passion. And what we're doing is, uh, this is week two, we are looking at things that as a church we should be passionate about. Uh, last week we talked about our worship and how our worship should be uh, unto God regardless of how life doesn't make sense. We all have highs and lows. We all go through moments of trials. But even in those moments, our hearts should be worshiping the Father who sees us through. Well, this morning we want to talk about we're going to talk about when the church is healthy. We're going to talk about the fellowship. Uh, yesterday was a special day for our family. Uh, our son, uh, it's been a busy weekend. Our son turned 18 on Friday. He graduated from high school on Saturday. And so uh, we had everybody in the family uh, who can make it come yesterday uh, for his graduation. And then, then we had an open house last night. And and one of the things that we do in our family when we're together is we kind of laugh and do several things as men. For example, uh, it was outdoors yesterday, so we didn't have as much to count as we do when we go indoors. And we're, we've got to gather this week, this weekend for uh, another nephew's uh, graduation, and we'll find something to count. We'll, we've, been, we've been known to sit in an arena and count the ceiling tile, and when, we're, and when it's all said and done, we'll go, how many did you get? And I'll go, well, I, I got 600. How many you got? I got 500. And, you know, we just, well, one of the other things we talk about is mowing grass. And I can't tell you why we, we talk about mowing grass. Maybe it's because my brother-in-law, who married my sister, for the longest time didn't mow his grass until he needed a baler when he got done. I don't know. I'm not sure why we, we talk about mowing grass. But this week, as, as it was coming, and you know, I'm, my list of do at the house has been long, trying to get ready for, for everybody to come. I talked to my dad on Thursday and said, I'm, yeah, I need to mow my yard. I hadn't mowed it all week. He said, well, you're going to, you know, I'm sure it's tall. You're going to have to get that thing mowed. So yesterday, we've had the graduation. They've all come to the house for a celebration. We've had lunch and sitting there, and I look at my father, and I said, well, I've mowed the grass. He looked and said, well, you need to mow it again. I said, do what? He said, you, you did something wrong. You need to go mow your grass again or you need to lower your deck. Now, it's funny how families will just kind of laugh and talk about silly things because it's silly for us to talk about yard mowing. Don't really, you know, as long as it gets cut, right? It's, it's silly, I think, to talk about which way the toilet paper roll goes on the toilet paper hanger. Who cares? It's there. Come see me when it's not. Um, it, I, I think it's silly to talk about whether Cheetos is a chip or not. Who cares? They're great. They're the best there ever was. So why do we worry if it's a chip or, or something else? Or snack food? There, there are things that are just silly that we talk about. But then there are some important things that they're non-negotiables. For example... Non-negotiable is God's grace and his love for humanity. It's a non-negotiable to talk about Jesus Christ, the one who came to save us from our sins, the one to rescue us going to a cross. There's, 
it's a non-negotiable to think of anything else but Christ and his salvation for us. This morning, I want us to look at 1 Thessalonians. And, and in the close of 1 Thessalonians, Paul talks about the body of Christ. And I'll give you a little background behind 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians was, was uh, Paul, Paul went there on his second missionary journey. As he went, a few weeks ago, I kind of shared with you what happens with Paul in all these cases. He, he goes into a city and he begins to proclaim in the synagogue. And as he does, there are three responses. People either respond, yes, and they turn their life and give it to Christ. They respond by going, I need a little more information. I'm, I'm close, but tell me more. Or the third one, which sometimes is the popular one for Paul, is get out of here. And so Thessalonians was that place. Thessalonians is the, is the capital city of Macedonia. 200,000 people in this area. Paul's been preaching. And they finally get tired of hearing the gospel. And so they run Paul and his crew out of town. Paul, then they all go to Berea. And then they split from there. And from splitting up from there, after some time, Timothy makes a trip back to Thessalonia. And it's because of Timothy's trip and his regathering with Paul that this letter has been written. Because Timothy comes to Paul and says, hey, here's some good news about the church. You know, the people we started and the, the gospel is still going. These things are happening. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage them, to help them along the way. But in chapter 5, in the closing verses, Paul also has to address some unhealthy things in the church, some disunity. And so this morning what I want to do is just talk about when the church is healthy, these things happen. And this is what Paul writes to us. So if you have your Bibles in your 1 Thessalonians 5, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? Chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to recognize those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, confront the discouraged or comfort the discouraged and help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but to always pursue what is good for, the, for one another and for all. You may be seated. So big idea I want you to catch this morning from our text is simply this. As members of God's family, we must practice behaviors that reflect our identity in Christ. We've got to as the members of, of, of people who recognize who Christ is and have surrendered our life to Christ, we've got to practice behaviors that reflect our identity in Christ. And so let's talk about that. Paul gives us three things in this text to, to kind of unpack. The first one is you value leadership. You value leadership. You come to the place and you, you understand who your leaders are and you value them. There's a story of a young pastor who, who was 
pastoring his church, country church, and he was resigning to go to another church. And so he was, he was going around to pay some visits to some of the folks who had encouraged him and who had been helpful for him. He ended up at this, uh, at this lady's house, and he begins to share with her, hey, I, you know, as you know, I'm leaving. And she begins to just be upset. Now, she looks at him and says, we'll never find another pastor as good as you. And the young pastor just kind of blushed and thought, man, this, you know, well, thank you, you know, that, that's too kind, but I'm sure the next one will be excellent. I'm sure he'll be good. And she says, no, 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 you just don't understand. I've been through five pastors, and each one gets worse. <laughs> you know, there's a value in leadership, to look at leaders and recognize who leaders are. They recognize they're, they're important to us. They, they love on us and they, they go through a lot of things with us. Look at the verse again at verse 12. Notice what Paul says. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you. Verse 13, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. But let's unpack that for just a second. There's three things Paul talks about in this text that are important. In those verses, he tells them to honor, honor them, to recognize them. In other words, recognize just their responsibility. They've been called by God. They've been set apart to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news. Honor them. Value them. Recognize what they are doing. They're loving and proclaiming the gospel. He tells them to admonish you. Or remember that when they admonish you. In other words, obey them. Obey the teaching because their teaching is from the Lord. Their teaching is biblical. Teaching is what they've been called to do. So sometimes uh, any good teacher has to correct a student. Those things happen. Those things happen all the time. That's the reason our our students get report cards. That's That's the reason we get grades from school. That's the reason we have, that's the reason we have um, evaluations. All those things happen because there are times when we need correcting. But then the third thing he tells them in this text is to regard them in love. Love. Love is recognizing who they are, what they're willing to do, what they're called to do, and sometimes that calling brings a lot. Sometimes that calling has, has consequences or has, has effects to love on them, to encourage them. Paul understood what a loving church looked like. He, he had experienced that many times as he had come through communities and he began to share the gospel, and many had responded and some had rejected he understood how those people who honored him gave him encouragement. He understood how people, when they heard the word of God and they obeyed it, how it fueled him. Because people didn't hear his words, but heard God's words. And he understood 
how a church would love. Because he had experienced that love. And so he, he begins by looking at leadership. The second thing we see in this text is uh, for a healthy church, you got to participate in the fellowship. There's a participation for us. See, as a church, as members, you are to participate. Uh, a friend of mine's church uh, doesn't call it a membership class. Uh, they call it an ownership class. Because each person has to take ownership of the faith of Jesus Christ, and they have to take ownership of what they're responsible to do. You're not a member in the sense that you pay your dues and, and you get perks. Owners have to, to work at and keep and stay after. And Paul tells them to participate in the fellowship. This month, Lifeway Research has been releasing some some data that uh, pastors have been giving and they've been doing over the um, course of 2022. Uh, The research they sent out this month um, said, and we posted this on the church Facebook page, said one of the the biggest things that is affecting churches and pastors these days, it has to do with people and the dynamic of the congregation since COVID. And really, for some, it started before COVID, but COVID has pushed it on even to a greater sense. And that has to do with apathy. The church has become very apathetic. In other words, the church says, hey, we we don't really care. Uh, We enjoy showing up when we need to show up. We like watching it from our living room. Don't, uh, I don't really want to serve on a committee because well, that means I have to work. I, I'd just rather sit in the pew and you, you give me what I want, and if you don't, I'll, I'll go someplace else. That's not anything how Scripture defines the body of Christ. The body of Christ, we are called to, to participate. To be involved in the fellowship to the point of we're involved in people's lives to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to pray for one another. I picked, I picked some verses here that remind us of what Scripture teaches us about the body of Christ. Hebrews, you'll see these on the screen. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us, not, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews tells us, let's consider one another, push one another, encourage one another, love one another. But in order for that to happen, you, we have to gather with one another. We have to spend time with one another. We have to see one another. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 tells us, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. So think about that process and think about how we live our life. Are we looking for the glory of God to be revealed in our life? Or are we looking for what's easiest for me and how we can be successful? How does the glory of God be revealed in your life every day? 
What does the glory of God look like? How are you making much of Him, or are you worried more about you? Then we read in Matthew, Jesus' words, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be, what, church? Added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. So, as, as, the mem- as a body, as a member, that's our, that's our responsibility. Seek first. What is it, God, you want me to do? And, and notice throughout the pages of Scripture, there are no pew sitters. Every person God has called has been charged to go and proclaim and to make disciples. So we're to participate. Look again at verse 14, what, what Paul says to the church. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged and help the weak. Look what he says. He, he, gives, us, he gives us a couple things here. We're to confront the disorderly. There, there are times in any organization that things, get, things can cause a, a rumbling or disturbance. The thing is, we are to, to confront that. As the body of Christ, our responsibility is to do that. Throughout Scripture, we see verses in Scripture that tells us that we are to help a brother and sister who are going down the wrong path to bring them back. We are to confront those types of things. The more we let that go, the bigger it becomes, the greater damage it does. And so we're to do that. We're to comfort the discouraged we're to comfort those who are struggling. We're to comfort those who, who, who need help. COVID is, if COVID has taught us one thing, it is that we need one another. For people have realized that, that just because we've lived in COVID and we've all separated, we have missed the fellowship, the gathering together, the comfort of being together. If you don't understand that, go with us on one of our, our days in which we deliver to our homebounds a meal. You'll quickly learn through the conversation that they're not really, it's not about the meal, but about the visit. And the reminder that somebody loves them and cares for them. We are to comfort the discouraged. And sometimes folks just need to be picked up. Sometimes people have a bad day. I don't know if you've ever had a bad day, but sometimes people just need to know that people around who care. And then Paul tells us in that verse, uh, we are to care for the needy or the weak. And there are people who we are to just take care of. That's our responsibility. Well, they're not my family member. Yes, they are. If you belong to the body of Christ and they belong to the body of Christ, guess what? That's your brother or sister in Christ. Our responsibility is to care for them. And so we work and we do that. We participate But that's not just a staff's job. That's not just a deacon's job. That's the church's job. That's what being a part of a healthy church looks like. The third thing Paul's going to tell us in this text is that you need to work for healthy relationships. You know, you need to work for healthy relationships. Do you realize that healthy relationships don't just happen? It, It takes time and effort. And it doesn't take... And and it's not just one person, but both individuals have to work at it. 
I mean, if you've got one person trying to have a healthy relationship and the other person who's only wanting to demands, there's no healthy relationship there. One may be giving all the things they can give and the other is taking everything, but that's not healthy. A healthy relationship is a give and take. It's, it's where you help and they help. It's where you compromise and they compromise. Listen, if you're married, you understand that pretty fast, right? I mean, you, you understand that what you can and can't do, you compromise. Look at the closing verses, 14 and 15. Paul says this, We exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, and help the weak. Now, here's where I'm going to pick up with these verses. Be patient with everyone. So see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another for all. Healthy relationships is never one-sided. Healthy relationships, practice patience. Practice patience. Um, don't, don't show of hands, but think about this. If you're sitting next to somebody, have you ever been frustrated with that person? Don't raise your hand. We do not need marital counseling before, you know. Now, if you're a parent sitting next to your kid, you can raise both hands. So we understand. But, you know, we've all had to practice patience. We, we've all had to, to understand that life is stressful. That's our responsibility in a healthy relationship is to understand what's happening and to practice those patience. Paul tells us, don't seek revenge. Um, there, there are times when things happen. There, there are times when, when, when something goes wrong. Our, our responsibility is, is not to seek revenge, not, not to get even, not to to go, well, wait, wait till you get home or, or wait until they leave the office and I'll catch them. Revenge is not something that should be a part of our thought process or our, our, our actions. And neither, and let, me, let me say this, neither should the, the book of blame be a part of a healthy relationship. You, you know the book of blame? Um, when, the, when we mess up as husbands and, and we, we do something wrong, uh, the book of blame doesn't need to come out every time we've, we mess up. Well, this is number three. Look what you did last time, you know. Don't, don't keep remembering those things. Um, we, know, we know them. We, we just choose to forget them, you know. Book, book of blame. And you, you can use the book of blame for anything. So we should pack, practice patience. We shouldn't seek revenge. But notice what, how he ends this text. When he's talking to the church and he's talking about the, the, the disunity that's gone on, he, what he wants them to do is to seek what is good. Seek what is good. Seek what is good for everyone. Seek what is good for everybody involved. And if, if we'll seek what is good, then life will be different. The church will be different. If we put our focus in the right place, life will be different. So yesterday, Dad gave me a hard time about my yard. He said, you need to remow it. I said, I'm not going to remow my yard. Well, lower your deck. I'm not going to lower my deck. I said, here's the thing. I'm, I said, I cut it at four and a quarter. That's too tall. I 
going to leave it at four and a quarter. I said, here's the thing I've learned. I said, the guys who do this for a living, I've talked to them who, who do yard services and those types of things. As the summer starts, they'll do it at three and a quarter, but by now they're at four and a quarter to four and a half. I said, here's what they'll do. I said, if you cut your grass at that high, it will drown out the weeds. Healthy grass does, does, lets weeds get, don't take over. Taller grass then means less watering, which is healthier for your yard. You don't have to water it. Taller grass then, then cuts down on the fertilizer. All these things make a healthier yard and a better looking yard, Dad. Well, I still cut it down at about three and a quarter. That's fine. Just don't cut my yard. But here's the thing. That's what the church should do, right? Not cut the yard at four and a quarter. We do that already. Um, but when the church raises up godly people, when the church is being healthy, when the church is at its best, godly people are, are raised up. You know what that means? Less conflict. Why? Because everybody's focus is on the gospel, not on our priority or what we want or what we like. When, when the church is, is growing healthy, it's less conflict. It, it means less self-centeredness. It, it, it means more priority on God. Paul looks at the church at Thessalonica and tells them, honor your leaders. Participate in the fellowship. And build healthy relationships. That's what the church is responsible for doing. We can, we can talk about all sorts of other things the church needs to be doing. But if we're, going to, if we're going to be a healthy church, those things have to happen. Because when those things happen, godly leaders are growing the church is healthy. And all the other things that can create conflict, can turn your attention away from the gospel, all those other things get lost. They get lost because the church is being the church that God's called us to be. How are you? For you see, when we talk about the church, it's not the building. It's not the pew you're sitting in, it's the people. In order for us to have a healthy church, or any church to be healthy, the members, the body, has to be healthy. So for you, for me, we have to ask ourselves, how do we honor our leaders? How do we participate? How do you respond when the the nominating committee calls and says, hey, we'd like for you to serve. Oh, no. You know. How do you participate? How are you building healthy relationships? Is, are you building healthy relationships in here? Or do you not care about the relationships here and, and want to go out and build other relationships? All that plays into how healthy the church is. So this morning, if you're here, and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there's no, no way you can be healthy in the way Scripture teaches until you recognize to a place that you're a sinner and lost and need Jesus. 
just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to hear more about that. As we sing our closing hymn, you can respond, you can come here. I'd love to tell you more about Jesus, how to, to put him in the center of your life. Maybe you just want to go right out these doors, or pastors will talk to you there. Maybe you're a church member and you go, I don't know how, I'm probably not being very health, healthy or helpful for the church. So maybe right there in your pew, you need to start praying, God, what do you want me to do? How can I help the church be healthy? Maybe, maybe I'm the reason we're not growing in an area. Maybe you're here and go, you know, we've not joined the church. We like coming. We like, we like everything. But we've not joined the church and we're not really participating to, to help the church grow and be healthy. Maybe today you do that. Whatever the case may be, would you respond to Christ? Would you respond to the gospel as the Lord leads you? Would you stand with me?